is always revealing himself to individuals. He demonstrates his power, his love, his compassion, his servanthood. He demonstrates that, that throughout the book. Wherever he goes, he's revealing himself to individuals. And he's wanting to draw people into a relationship with himself. So he's the servant of the Lord. And he came to serve and to give his life as a ransom for many. Now, I'd like to show you that are really pictures to introduce this chapter we're going to study together today. So if we could bring those up, please. The first one is a map. Yeah, there's the key verse. Even the Son of Man came not to be served, but to serve and to give his life a ransom for many. Here's the map. And uh, this is uh, the land of Israel, the Sea of Galilee on which Jesus walked. And we're going to be looking at this section right here, Gadara. And that's one of the places where Jesus is going to encounter an individual. There are three individuals in the stories we're going to read together today. And they are the Gadarene demoniac, the woman with an issue of blood, and Jairus and his daughter. So let's look, take a look at these slides. These are all pictures uh, that have been drawn of these three people that are in the book of Mark chapter 5. All right, so here's the Gadarene demoniac. Here he is, and here are the pigs in the story. We'll get to that in just a minute. Here is Jesus who is ministering to this demon-possessed man. All right, take a look at the next slide. This is the woman with an issue of blood. We'll talk about her in just a few minutes. I wanted to put these images in your mind so that you'll have a clearer picture of what the Scripture is saying. And here she is. She's gone through the crowd that surrounded Jesus, and she just wants to touch the hem of his garment. And she will be healed. Here's the third picture. This is Jesus with Jairus' daughter. And Jairus was a ruler in the synagogue. We're going to read about him in just a minute. And his daughter was deathly sick. She died. Uh, on the way, Jesus was ministering, and this little girl died, and he got to the house and raised her from the dead. So all three of these are in the chapter that we're going to read together, and they all have something in common. Will you open your Bibles to Mark chapter 5? And I'll begin reading in verse 1. You all do remember that I like to wander when I'm preaching, right? So I encourage you not to fall asleep. Okay, chapter 5, beginning in verse 1. They came to the other side of the sea, to the country of the Gerasenes, or the Gadarenes. Gadara is the area. And when Jesus had stepped out of the boat, immediately there met him out of the tombs a man with an unclean spirit. This is a demon-possessed man. You remember the picture. 
He lived among the tombs. No one could bind him anymore, not even with a chain, for he'd often been bound with shackles and chains, but he wrenched the chains apart and broke the shackles in pieces, and no one had the strength to subdue him. So here's a man who is tormented by multiple demons. He is a demon-possessed man. Can Jesus help people who are tormented by demons? Yes. Not only can he, he will. He has the compassion, the power, the authority to deal with it. May I just say this? Some of you here today are tormented by demons. And I know the one who can set you free. His name is Jesus, right here in the text. It says, night and day among the tombs. Now, it's mentioned tombs several times because, you see, demons are obsessed with death. Hmm. Night and day, he's among the tombs, on the mountains. He was crying out and cutting himself. Hmm. When demons oppress people, they make them do silly things, like cutting themselves. Do you have a friend who is cutting himself intentionally? You can know demons are involved. They will drive people to cut themselves and even kill themselves. Hey, friends, this is serious business. This is spiritual reality. It's the unseen world that's going on around us. Jesus steps into that unseen world to set people free. That's his intent. So he's crying out, cutting himself with stones. And when he saw Jesus afar, he ran and followed this. He fell down before him. You see that? Crying out with a loud voice, he said, What have you to do with me, Jesus, Son of the Most High, God? I adjure you by God, do not torment me. It's the demon that's talking. For he was saying to him, Come out of the man, you unclean spirit. Jesus asked him, What is your name? And he replied, My name is Legion, for we are many. And he begged him earnestly not to send them out of the country. Do you see who's in charge here? It's not the demon. The Lord Jesus is fully in charge. Watch what happens says he begged him earnestly not to send them out of the country and now a great herd of pigs was feeding there on the hillside listen and they the demons begged him saying send us to the pigs and let us enter them so he gave them permission who is in charge the lord jesus and here's what i want you to know if you're a child of god no demon can torment you without the permission of god Hello? That is an important truth to remember from Scripture. Every demon is subject to the Lord Jesus Christ and has to gain permission even to enter a pig. All right. The unclean spirits came and entered the pigs and the herd, numbering about 2,000, and rushed down the steep bank into the sea and were drowned in the sea. 
The herdsmen fled and told it in the city and in the country, and the people came to see what it was that had happened. And they came to Jesus and saw the demon-possessed man, the one who had the legion, sitting there, clothed, because he was naked. Remember the picture? (laughs) In another parallel passage, we learn that he was naked, running around in the tombs, cutting himself. Listen carefully. Obsession with death, obsession with nudity, and obsession with cutting are all evidences of demonic activity. Everybody all right? Okay. He's there, clothed in his right mind, and they were afraid. They were afraid of the spiritual power that Jesus Christ was exhibiting right there in their presence. They were in the presence of spiritual power and authority, and it made them afraid. And those who'd seen it described to them what had happened to the demon-possessed man and to the pigs, and they began to beg Jesus to depart from their region. They were very uncomfortable with the spiritual power exhibited before them. As he was getting into the boat, the man who had been possessed with demons begged him that he might be with him. He did not permit him, but said, go to your home, to your friends, and tell them how much the Lord has done for you and how he has had mercy on you. And he went away and began to proclaim in Decapolis how much Jesus had done for him, and everyone marveled. Please understand... This story is not about the demon-possessed man. This story is about Jesus. It is a display of his spiritual power and authority. And no matter what you are facing, even dealing with demons, Jesus is the deliverer. Second story. You ready? When Jesus had crossed again in the boat to the other side of the Sea of Galilee, a great crowd gathered about him, and he was beside the sea. And then came one of the rulers of the synagogue. Now this is a Jewish religious man, a a high muckety-muck in the Jewish religious community. You could call him a church leader. Listen, demons, deacons, they all bow before Jesus. Hello? Demons bow before Jesus. Deacons bow before Jesus. Pastors bow before Jesus. Everybody bows before Jesus. What does the scripture say? One day, every knee will bow, every tongue will confess that Jesus Christ is Lord. Now he has a problem. He's got a burden. Let's pick up the reading. Then came one of the rulers of the synagogue, Jairus by name, and seeing him, he fell at his feet. Wait a minute. The demon-possessed man and the leader of the synagogue both did exactly the same thing? Yes. They fell before the feet of Jesus because they recognized who he was. Friends, one of the greatest needs in the church is to recognize who Jesus is. Amen. 
He's not your buddy. He's not just a good teacher. He's not just a moral man. He's the Lord. <laughs> He's the very Son of the living God. He's the risen Christ. All right. So he fell at his feet and implored him earnestly, saying, My little daughter is at the point of death. Come and lay your hands on her so that she may be made well and live. And he went with him. Now the story pauses here, and we pick up another story. This is why I wanted you to see the three pictures so you could keep in mind how the story progresses. Okay. It says, A great crowd followed him and thronged about him. And there was a woman who had a discharge of blood for 12 years. She's bleeding for 12 years. For 12 years, she's had this problem of bleeding, and she can't be cured. Not by the doctors, anyway. She'd suffered much under many physicians. Anybody here relate to that? <laughs> I, I've just quit going to the doctors because all they tell me is stuff I don't want to hear. Physicians are helpful, but they're not your healer, friend. And they don't know everything. He'd suffered much under physicians and had spent all that she had. Even back in the first century, health care was expensive. <laughs> Outrageously expensive. See, what did she spend? All that she had. She was no better, but grew worse. She'd heard the reports about Jesus and came up behind him in the crowd and touched his garment. For she said, if I touch even his garments, I will be made well. Amen. <laughs> even the children cry out, amen. Now, the Bible says here, immediately the flow of blood dried up. And she felt it in her body that she was healed of her disease. Where in the world would she get the idea that touching the hem of the master's garment would bring healing to her life? Where would she get such a crazy idea? She got it from the scriptures. In fact, if you'd like to turn over to Malachi, I'll show you the verse. You ready? Malachi, and it's chapter 4 and verse 2. Go to Matthew and take a left. All right, Malachi, chapter 4, verse 2. Listen to what it says. Listen. For you who fear my name, the Son of Righteousness shall rise with healing in its wings. Do you know what they call the edge of the garment of a teaching rabbi the wings 
a teaching rabbi would wear a robe that had a, a little border around it. It indicated that this man was set apart for God. And the scriptures here say, the son of righteousness, who is that? That's Jesus, will rise with healing in his what? His wings. The wings of the garment. And here's this lady who's taking the scriptures for what it says. And she says, if I can just touch the wings of his garment, I'll be healed. So let's watch what happens. We're back over in Mark chapter 5. It says, Jesus, perceiving in himself that power had gone out from him, immediately turned about in the crowd and said, Who touched my garments? And his disciples said, You see the crowd pressing around you, and yet you say, Who touched me? He looked around to see who had done it, but the woman, knowing what had happened to her, came in fear and trembling, and what did she do? She fell down before him. Huh. So a demon-possessed man, a leader of the synagogue, and a woman who was disqualified from worship all had the same response to Jesus. And they all were healed. What an amazing set of stories. Here is a woman with an issue of blood. Twelve years she's been dealing with this same ailment. She can't get healed. And here's the really tragic thing. Because under Jewish law, if you had an issue of blood, you were disqualified from worship services. You were disqualified from participating in the festivals. You were disqualified from fellowship around the temple. You couldn't even enter that place. You were considered unclean. For 12 years it had been going on. She was searching for an answer. When she heard about Jesus, she said, that's the one who can heal me. And sure enough, she came to Jesus and he healed her. I want to suggest some things about these stories that are common, things that they all share in common. First of all, they all desperately needed Jesus, right? All of them did. Secondly, they all came to Jesus. They took a step of faith. They moved toward him. Thirdly, they all fell down before him. The word fell down indicates, uh, well, it, it's a word that means worship. Wait a minute. you telling me a demon-possessed man worshiped? What does it say? Every knee will bow. And every tongue, listen, even lost people one day will worship at the feet of Jesus. Even lost people will do that. 
Christ-haters, atheists, the most ungodly, every last one of them will worship at the feet of Jesus and acknowledge that He is Lord. All of them worshipped at the feet of Jesus. And here's the fourth thing. They all received healing. So what do we learn from the passage about this Jesus, the servant of the Lord? I want to suggest four things. These are in your listening guide. First of all, Jesus is filled with compassion. That's what we learn about Jesus. Whatever the need, Jesus is ready to respond. This is seen throughout the New Testament. Listen, friend, we have a Savior who is filled with compassion. He not only knows everything you're going through, He cares about everything you're going through. He is filled with compassion. You know, Jesus could have walked right by that demon-possessed man. He could have said, I do not want to deal with you today. He could have walked right on by, couldn't he? He could have ignored the woman with an issue of blood. He could have said to the religious leader, you're the very guys that are rejecting me. But in every case, he responded with compassion. I suggest to you, the church better get a hold of that. If we're going to meet people where they are and proclaim Jesus to them, we better have the same heart of compassion. Meeting people where they are. You're not going to get out into this community very far without finding people who are diseased, demonized, and headed for death. And they need not your judgment, but your compassion. Can I get an amen? Amen. Secondly, Jesus is filled with power. No matter what the situation... Jesus had the power to deal with it. Whether it's demonic, debilitating disease, or death itself, Jesus has the power. Amen? Amen. You know, the the people in the town were just terrified because they'd never seen such demonstrations of power and authority. Jesus had power and authority in everything he did and said. In fact, when he was teaching, the people would say, oh my goodness, I've never heard anything like this. He's teaching with such authority. Do you know why he was teaching with authority? Because everything in him backed up everything he said. He had power and authority. It didn't matter whether it was demonic, debilitating disease, or death itself. He had power and authority to deal with it. And I tell you this, my friends. He has power and authority to deal with anything in your life you're willing to give to Him. Anything. Bar none. Whatever you've been struggling with. And maybe you've been dealing with it for 12 years. You can turn it over to the King of Kings. He not only has compassion, he has power to deal with it. That's my Jesus. He can set you free. He's our deliverer, isn't he? He's a wonderful Savior. Here's the third thing we learn. Jesus is ready to help all who come to him. A woman came to him. She's an unnamed woman in the text. But she's not forsaken by the Lord. The religious community turned their backs on her, but she's not forsaken by the Lord. She reached out to him and found him to be faithful. She reached out to him 
and received her healing instantly. Jesus is ready to help all who come to him. I don't want you to miss this. The person with the demon came to Jesus. The ruler of the synagogue came to Jesus. And the woman with the issue of blood fought her way through a crowd. In the picture, she crawled to Jesus. Every one of them fell at his feet. Every one of them. They came to Jesus. And friend, you can come to Jesus today. It doesn't matter where you've been or what you're going through. You can come to Jesus and find in him all that you need. Do you think a demon-possessed man had more trouble than you? You'd probably say no. Do you think a woman with an issue of blood was sicker than you? You might say no. Do you think a man whose daughter was near death was in deeper trouble than you? You might say no. So if Jesus can handle these things, he can handle whatever you're going through. If you come to him. Here's the last thing I'd like for you to see about this Jesus. Jesus is worthy to be worshipped no matter what the circumstances. They all fell down before him. Revelation chapter 1, I just... When I was reading through Mark 5, it just kept hitting me over and over again. They fell down before Jesus. And I thought, I bet there's other places in Scripture that say they fell down before Jesus. Well, guess what? Revelation chapter 1, beginning in verse 12. Listen to this. Revelation 1, 12. Then I turned to see the voice that was speaking to me, and on turning I saw seven golden lampstands, and in the midst of the lampstands one like a son of man, clothed with a long robe with a golden sash around his chest. The hairs of his head were white, like white wool, like snow. His eyes were like a flame of fire. His feet were like burnished bronze, refined in a furnace. His voice was like the roar of many waters. In his right hand he held seven stars. From his mouth came a sharp two-edged sword, and his face was like the sun shining in full strength. Who is it? It's Jesus, of course. When I saw him, I fell at his feet. You say, well, that's just one verse. Well, let me give you another one then. How about Revelation chapter 4? This is a picture in heaven beginning in verse 9. And whenever the living creatures give glory and honor and thanks to him who's seated on the throne who lives forever and ever, the 24 elders representing the church fall down before him. Huh? All of heaven falls at the feet of Jesus. And worship him who is worthy to be worshipped whatever you are going through today. Whatever your heartache, whatever your struggle, whatever your burden, Jesus is worthy to be worshipped. And when we fall at his feet, we find in him all that we need. For he 
is our deliverer. Can you say amen? amen? Well, let me just say this. It is really not wise to listen to a message like this and do nothing about it. That would make you a hearer of the word only. So every one of us has an application that we need to make to apply God's word in our lives. And I've suggested four of them. These will sound familiar to you, I hope. First of all, your next step might be that you need to commit your life to the Lord Jesus Christ. If you're here today and you've never made that commitment, then I'm asking you to do that today to commit your life to Jesus Christ. I didn't say commit your life to the church. The church isn't going to save you. Jesus is the Savior. This is His body, the church. But you commit your life to Jesus. That's as easy as ABC, you remember? Hey, admit that you're a sinner. Nobody comes to Jesus without admitting that you're a sinner. How many sinners in the house? Raise your hand. Aha. Uh-huh. Yes, we all admit it, don't we? We know deep down inside I'm a tangled mess. I'm a deeply flawed man who's desperately in need of the grace I'm called to proclaim to others. Yes? Amen. Oh, my. <laughs> it's true. Nobody comes to Jesus without admitting that you're a sinner. So that's the A, admit that you're a sinner. B, believe that Jesus Christ died for you, that he shed his blood on Calvary's cross, that on the third day he rose from the dead. Believe that. And C, commit your life to Jesus Christ. That means you turn your life over to Him. You stop living in your own power. You stop living according to your own resources. You turn your life over to Him. And what He gives you in exchange is His own life. Eternal life. The gift of life. For whoever calls on the name of the Lord shall be saved. Amen. So you might need to make that commitment to the Lord today. I wonder if there's anybody here that needs to make a commitment to Jesus Christ today. And you know it. You're sitting there saying, yep, that's me. I need to make a commitment to Jesus Christ. You've never done it before. You've never committed your life to Jesus. You've never asked Him to be your Savior before. This is the very first time, and I'm going to ask you if that's you, and I'm calling upon you to believe in Jesus Christ today. If that's you, and you need Jesus Christ as your Savior today, I'm going to ask you to stand up right where you are. If you cannot stand up in here where everybody's cheering for you, you will never stand up out there. Does anybody here need Jesus today as their Savior? You need to make that commitment to Him today. Okay? Here's the second step. Maybe this is your step. You need to recommit your life to the Lord. Things have gone south for you spiritually, you know. It's been a rough go. And you've kind of put the Lord on the back burner. And you haven't been walking with Him and trusting Him and obeying Him and seeking His will for your life. And you're facing some stuff now and you need to recommit your life to the Lord. All of us fall into that trap occasionally. We used to call it rededication. Where I say, Lord, I know how much I need you, and I'm just stepping up today to say, I really need you. 
I wonder if there's anybody who'd like to stand up and say, that's where I am today. I need to recommit my life to the Lord Jesus Christ. Is there anybody here today that would say that? Amen. 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 How wonderful. How wonderful. All of you sit down for just a second. Now let me just say this. I'm thrilled that all of you all made commitments to Jesus Christ, but this here is our son. And I'm just right proud of him. And he's sitting next to my favorite daughter-in-law in the whole world. So, I mean, that's, that's a big step, isn't it? So I'm, I'm really proud. And I just want to pray for you all who just st- stood and say, you know, I, I need to recommit my life to Christ. By the way, I'm in the process of recommitting my life to Christ on a daily basis. How about you? Amen? Okay, let's pray together. Dear Father, thank you for these who have uh, taken a step of faith, who have uh, made a stand today for you, who said, I need to recommit my life to the Lord Jesus Christ. Lord, would you just seal that decision in their hearts? Would you make it very real to them? May Jesus become more real than ever before. We ask this for the sake of the kingdom of God and because we want your glory. In Jesus' name we pray. Amen. There's a third step that I would suggest to you, and it's this. Some of you may need to go public with your faith and be baptized. You know, baptism doesn't save you. You're already saved. When you make this commitment, you've already been saved, but you're saying to everybody publicly, I am a follower of Jesus Christ, and I want everybody to know it. And so it's unashamed public confession of faith. And that may be where you are. If you need to make that commitment today, I encourage you to talk to your pastor, Harold Butler. He's a fine man who loves God and loves his church and loves the word and loves to baptize. <laughs> Isn't that right, Billy Harold? Yes, I hold, hold him down as long as it takes. That's, that's a promise. Amen. So if you'd like to be publicly baptized, you're wanting to go public with your faith that may be your next step it you know people just don't grow in their faith without taking that step they just get stuck without it so i'd encourage you to take that step of faith and then finally here's the last thing i would suggest here's where i am i need to recapture the awe of being in the presence of jesus in my private time alone with him and in my public time with him You know, I can't tell you how good it is to see everybody. It's just wonderful. You make my eyes jump with joy. But what I've really, really longed for is the presence of Jesus amongst his people. And I've felt his presence here today. So I'm grateful. And and I pray that the awe of being in the presence of Jesus would grip all of our hearts. Will you join me as we pray? Thank you, Father, for this time that we've had together. Thank you for your precious word. Thank you for all that you're doing in our lives. We want to know Jesus more intimately, more personally than ever before. We want to follow close after Jesus. You said in your word, my sheep hear my voice and I know them and they follow me. Lord, we want to follow you. 
we want to bring you honor and glory. And we recognize nobody else has the words of life, only you. So we love you. We dedicate our lives to you. We today have taken a stand for you. And we pray that you will be much at work in our lives to bring your own name, glory, and honor. That would please us so much if we could just bring you honor. Lord, I pray for those dear ones today who are facing overwhelming situations in their lives. Some who are grieving. Some who are struggling day by day. Some who are facing illness. Some who are estranged from loved ones. Some here today who are just searching for you. You alone have the answers. You alone can bring healing. You alone are the one we turn to. How we thank you for being our faithful God. For your grace still amazes us. You're wonderful. We love you. In Jesus' great and powerful name we pray. Amen. Amen.